You're listening to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast. This episode of Berkshire Football Stories was sponsored by The Curious Lounge in Reading and Ticket Pass, the ethical ticketing company. Hi everybody and welcome to a packed Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning. Um, Rob Davis is around and he will be back. Um, I think we just haven't quite got hold of him yet. You know, he's he's, he's probably, uh, he, he's, he's, he does a swim this time of year. He's organising a swim. So uh, I know he's got lots and lots of bits going on. Um, we have got a packed panel today. Uh, it is a, a very male panel, which we uh, which we will try to rectify uh, going forward for this year. It's been a long time uh, for, uh, for anybody who listens to the podcast. We've not been around for a little while, but we've got a packed panel today and we've got lots of questions to ask lots of questions to answer we've got neil graham hello hi hi tom hello mate uh happy new year let's assume that it's all happy new year to everybody um (laughs) already otherwise we'll be doing that with everybody we've got dan walkley hello dan good morning and we have neil maskell morning tom morning all not wearing your fetching Hollyport shirt today. No, no, it's a bit cold, isn't it? For uh, yes, a bit, a bit too sleeves. cold. I've gone, I've gone, uh, I've gone sort of Noel Edmonds jumper. <laughs> um, we've got we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today from um, the scenes at Reading Football Club, which we will cover briefly. Um, games that happened on Tuesday night. Um, some opinions on postponements, which I'm sure you've all come loaded and ready to go um, and various other bits uh, we're going to talk about Binfield, Maidenhead United Women, um, some title races in the Thames Valley Counties Women's Football League and step six applications and at the very end uh, I've got a question for everybody so we will see how we go and if you are interested in finding out more about football in Berkshire you can find out about us at footballinberkshire.co.uk you can join our whatsapp channels you can get across us on twitter threads instagram facebook and all the rest of that nonsense so here we go um neil graham i think you're probably the best positioned to talk maybe a little bit about reading fc but the scenes at the weekend getting the game called off uh, was obviously um almost a last resort at this point um i know you spend a lot of time photogra- photo photoing i was going to say photographing and that wasn't quite coming out right and i realized <laughs> that was wrong um you spend a lot of time with with the women's team um it's not good is it what did you make of the scenes at the weekend yeah, I wasn't there on Saturday, but obviously been there for the tennis ball throwing in on the 16th minute and a continual sort of disruption of the game. Uh, and I think the tennis balls for me probably sort of run their course. Uh, but this sort of pitch invasion, even though I think it's probably wrong to have a pitch invasion, but I think Redden are actually on the brink. Uh, and I think this was the only thing the fans can do. Uh, and probably with a lot, like a lot of commentators, I have to agree. Uh, the, the the mess behind the scenes on the pitch, wherever uh, Reading is, just in an absolute mess. And the poor fans, again, as with all football clubs, the one thing constant throughout all football clubs is the fans. And I think that that was it. That there needed to be that sort of line in the sand to hopefully whether die younger actually sells the club does something just 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 to do something as opposed to just sitting there in limbo so uh i do actually agree with the fans and i think it's probably the right thing to do to get things 
uh, across back pages, which it did the following day, uh, across Sky, across TalkSport, uh, and, and across Football and Barter as well. It just sort of highlighted that here we are, uh, a, a club that generally just sort of rides along, has a, has a few seasons here and there, rides and, and then sort of has a dip season, uh, and never really causes any trouble amongst the football world. Uh, and here they are. They, they could be going out of business and be liquidated. And that's that's what the fans do not want, like other die younger clubs that he's owned before, which mm. has now disappeared in Belgium, I believe, isn't it? One of them. Yeah. Uh, and that they don't exist. So uh, the fans have uh, taken to the pitch, and I, I actually think I do agree with them. It needed to be done. Um, and, and obviously, the the Reading FC women got knocked out of the FA Cup on Sunday. That was a bit of a shock result, I think. Um, given I saw them play at the end of last season, and they were very tidy. Um, I think the loss of Trolls Guard is probably going to affect them. Did were you surprised by that result, Neil? Uh, I, I thought it was going to be a Reading win. I have to be honest. Uh, but after the first half performance, I thought this could go either way, and <laughs> Reading scored against the runner play. To be honest with you. Uh, Wolves just just passed the ball better, just sort of pressed the ball better. Uh, but Reading took their chances where where uh, Wolves didn't. And how often do we say that about sort of being punished for not taking the chances? And Wolves did. Uh, second half was a lot better. Uh, a couple of substitutions by Reading uh, made it a little bit more of a difference. But again, Wolves took their chances. Uh, Reading didn't press enough to 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 put Wolves under pressure and make mistakes. Uh, and I think Wolves over the 90 just about deserved the win, to be honest with you. Uh, but yes, it, it was a shock. And uh, yeah, the, the girls do, do need a lift as well. Um, Rob Davis is here in the house. Hello, Rob. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Happy New Year. And Happy to New you. Year to everyone else as well. <laughs> oh, no, no. We've all conceded that it's already Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rob. I'd rather jump the gun. Um <laughs> Uh, with uh, with with getting the podcast going today, I, I couldn't remember if you'd said you were around or not. Mm-hmm. Um, are you happy being a panelist this afternoon? I'm this morning, happy being a panelist. Yeah, uh, marvelous. I think I can add something to at least two of the topics you've got on the running order. So, you know. excellent. Which which ones? Oh well, which, yeah, whichever ones you want. Postponements, anything like that. You Great. you you <laughs> take it under your. Uh, um, well, I'll follow your lead, Tom. Well, on uh, on uh, Tuesday night, I think there was one game. Correct me if I'm wrong. One game made it through the uh, the wintry weather, and that was uh, Ascot United um, in defeat to uh, Hartley Whitney. It's one of those ones where um, you you obviously you want to get games on. You're desperate to get games on, um, and that, and that's brilliant if you win. And uh, and if you if you then come up a little bit short, you're suddenly wondering why. I think uh, perhaps wondering why you actually let that one um, get through when you you could have not not unreasonably called it off. Um, I, I don't know. There's there's no one on no one from Ascot on the on the podcast today to defend that position, and, and I'm sure uh, I, I'm sure they will. They're very glad to have got the game on. Does anybody know what the crowd was like? I, I obviously I haven't seen the crowd. I know the score was two nil to Hartley Whitney, but is anybody familiar with the crowd last night? Uh, it was no, one six eight, hundred and sixty eight attendance. Oh, okay. I mean, on a cold night, that's uh, that's that's I suppose as good as as good as you can probably hope for. I wondered if uh, obviously with all of the other games off, there might have been a bumper, a bumper crowd. Now, the second question: Did anybody go? Because I certainly didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, well, we we won't talk about too much about that one then, um, and we we will move. That is the kind of thing that good prep for a podcast will, will sort out uh, going forward. Um, 
the the big question that uh, that often comes around at this time of year, and and, and Mr. Maskell, I, I I I stole some words out of your mouth um, on our our little WhatsApp group yesterday that I put on Twitter, um, and and obviously for anybody listening to this out loud, uh, there are there are a couple of choice phrases in this in this sentence, but but you said uh, nothing boils the piss of non-league fans like a uh, like a late postponement, um, and and I added uh, except perhaps not having a paper program. Um, Neil, as someone directly involved in a club uh, at the higher echelons, um, uh, what goes through a club's thinking on a on a night like last night? Because you are damned if you do, if you call it off earlier, and you're damned if you call it off late. Yeah, this one's a bit raw for us, Tom, actually, because on Monday we had the, the County Cup tie yes. uh, penciled in with Milton United at York Road. And it was one of those where the pitch was in good nick. It's been in good nick all season. And um, then the temperatures plunged, and the match officials arrived, and they were they were concerned about um, the pitch firming up and whether we get through ninety minutes. So, look, the match officials have a job to do. Um, we respect their decision. Um, everyone from Milton was was very understanding and um, and very good about it. But unfortunately, we did have a very late postponement. I think. Postponements are the second worst thing that can happen on a match day. The worst thing that can happen is an abandonment. Um, no one wants uh, people to make a, a, a journey wasted. But, you know, practically speaking, sometimes things are out of your control, aren't they? We don't control the weather. And, um, you know, a pitch that was previously kind of uh, playable um, uh, suddenly kind of got worse. And, and, um, it's very difficult to say, you know, look at, you know, the weather forecast. They're not always particularly accurate, are they? So it's a, it's a real tough one. But speaking from a club's angle, no one at the club wants a game off on the day um, with all the costs that go into it. So um, it's that balance between trying to get it on and also considering where people are coming from and, and how much time and money they're spending to get there. It's a really tricky one and it'll be... There'll be more games off this month, I fear. Uh, Rob, as the match-going uh, representative, independent match-going representative on this panel today, mm. um, wh- what do you? What's your feelings on um, uh, uh, that? And and Dan, I'll come to you just to, in just a minute as well because I know uh, Tadley have a specific part of the pitch that often causes you guys problems. Yes. Um, but but Rob, what what do you make? Of, what do you make of that? What are your thoughts? Oh, well, in general, I'm very sympathetic to the clubs. Um, as Neil mentioned, it's a it's a tricky situation, and uh, occasionally, in, like uh, on Monday night at York Roads, the pitch seemed to be playable until, uh, and the referee got there and thought it might not make it through the match. That's sort of one situation, but I like we also had another situation last night where um, apparently there was a frozen pitch in, in one of the games, and the uh, club account was was telling everyone that um, the match was definitely going to go ahead and the referee got there and said, well, no, this part of the pitch is frozen now and it's been frozen all day and so we're not going to be able to do it. And so there was one team in uh, the National League South who made a very long journey and got there and when the referee arrived, um, it's... Um, the game was called off and they had a huge journey that was wasted. So I think, you know, there's 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 got to be some sort of middle ground that clubs can... Um, clubs can strike where you know if the pitch is in a, a state where it's not playable early on they've got to be able to say you know this isn't this isn't uh, 
uh, we're not going to have a game tonight. You know, other clubs like uh, Slough's game last night was called off very early. Uh, I think it was uh, Taunton they were due to play. I mm, think it was, yes. and they called it. The Taunton called the game off at 10 a.m. in the morning, long before Slough or anyone was uh, due to mm. travel down. Which is, you know, great if it's going to be off, get it off early. Um, but uh, I, I do have sympathy with the clubs, like you know, it, it uh, made Ned's position on Monday night. You know, that's a slightly different situation to. Um, to what we saw last night in um, the game I'm alluding to, but uh, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay to say it was it was Truro at home to to Dartford. Yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> Truro at home to Dartford, and um, you know, as long as I think a lot of people took a little bit of pleasure in seeing a team go that far and come back, but <laughs> but um, but I think it's uh, it's also like with a situation like that where there's such travel involved, there's got to be mm. some way of sort of getting a um getting a decision done early whether it you know it means a, a video call with a, a official or whether it's you know it, essentially the clubs having the power to say look this our pitch isn't going to be playable tonight I'm, I'm not sure what the full protocol would be but when there's that much travel involved there's got to be a decision fairly uh, early on to be to be fair to uh, to be fair to Truro, it could have been worse. It could have actually been in Truro and not Plymouth. <laughs> yeah, and I know everybody will look at a map and go that, that Truro and Plymouth aren't that far away. But as someone who's who's done that journey an awful lot of work, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's a long, <laughs> long, long way. Yeah. Um, Dan, uh, there there is a there is a, a general feeling that clubs want sometimes want to get games off because. Um, or a sort of possibly a conspiracy that certain clubs would want to get games off because they don't have players, they don't they have players missing and and stuff like that. Um, as as personally as someone who's worked inside a club, um, games off cost money. Yeah. Um. You you know you quite likely still had to pay for a referee to come and look at the pitch. I would I would think you've printed programs maybe, um, not always. But you know you you've done that and there's and there's an awful lot of volunteer hours gone into into getting a pitch ready, a club ready, and all of that kind of thing. Um, clubs don't want matches off, do they? They do whatever they can to to get games on. No, absolutely. Every game that is scheduled in, we want on. Obviously, like you alluded to, you've got. It's not just match day. And the morning of match days, or if they're evening kickoffs, the afternoon of getting the clubhouse ready, getting the changing rooms and the pitches ready, it's, it's all week. It's from the secretaries organising the referees and the fixtures, um, both managers, the teams, all the way down to, like you said, the programmes, creating the programmes, printing, even going to get food and, and bits and pieces like that that will go to waste if there's no game. Um, so, yeah, there's every effort made. And I probably speak for every club to get games on um i don't think there's anything more frustrating than having games off but there has been times this year where pitch inspections have or haven't been held during the afternoon especially for evening games then you get to the game and a different official i.e the match referee turns up (laughs) and disagrees with the decision that's already been made so i think that's quite frustrating obviously i can't speak for every level especially higher up than maybe step four. Um, but, yeah, I, from my perspective, I think games, especially in wet weather, are cooled off a bit too easily. And I'm not sure if that's a a product of maybe social media where, look, I'm not blaming officials, but people are seeing games are off and games are off and games are off and then expecting another game to be off. Um Whereas yesterday, in the freezing pitches, I don't think anyone can have any complaint about that. Just no. purely, purely from a safety point of view. And 
even if, I mean, going back to the Truro game, they, they would have known or they should have known, like you said, with Taunton early in the day, that that pitch is, if it's frozen in midday-ish, it's going to be frozen at night because <laughs> you got to half four. As soon as it got dark yesterday, the, the temperatures plummeted again. So, um, yeah, I've, I've no issue with games being called off for frozen pitches and, and safety risks. But I do believe, I don't know when it started, maybe pre uh, post-COVID, but the wet weather games, I remember playing in some awful conditions. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if groundsmen have any... Uh, having a word in the referee's ear that they don't want to ruin their pitch or I don't know. That's, that's just my feelings. Anyway, that's my opinion. <laughs> See, I'm sure a lot of people have different, but well, if, goes into it. if we can just hold people's opinions on that till the very end, that does tie in nicely with my end of podcast question. Um, sure. I just, I, I have a, I have an opinion that I feel is a rare strong one for me um, in, in terms of uh, what um, in, in terms of, uh, in terms of what, because I, I put it back on the shoulders of supporters, because it is often supporters and the odd club account, which I think we all roll our eyes at when a club account gets involved in this kind of thing. But uh, but it's often supporters causing this problem. And and my my simple rule for for me personally, when I decide to go to a football match, when I step into the car or leave the house to get on the train or whatever it is to go to a game, if the weather is any way in in you know no, not very good if it's been raining heavily for several days if it's been freezing it's it's on me to make that decision to go to the game knowing that there is a fair to reasonable chance that when i get there the game might be off i i think there's an element of personal responsibility for supporters uh specifically and i know there's nothing that players can do about this because they've got to go regardless but in terms of supporters i think there's an element of responsibility if you decide to go then, then you know it, it's on you. You've decided you could stay at home. You you could. There, there, there's nothing to make you go out into the freezing cold and wet. Um, and and every time you make you you know every time you jump in the car, you've made that decision to go to the game. Whether it's on or off, then is 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 neither is neither here nor there. Um, thoughts. Now for me, for me, uh, take, take away sort of main head and the, the higher echelons of the uh, things. I think for me, non-league local knowledge, uh, perhaps yeah. Everything. Let's face it: if it's raining, bin fields off. Uh, obviously, the old Bracknell Largest Lane. If it's raining, yeah. the, the bottom end was just a fog. Uh, you get to know Hollyport uh, in the middle <laughs> of the all course, uh, and the one ground that's always going to be on is Windsor. Windsor, you yeah. know that ground is it because you could have rain for a week and all you'd have a little puddle at the bottom end. So yeah. I think possible local knowledge uh, yes. would help, uh, and you know what grounds are going to be on and off. So I, I, I think uh, I think uh, you're right. Fans should take a bit of personal responsibility and mm. take a year on or season on season knowledge because. It doesn't change, does it? It always no. rains on years and it's always frosty this time of year. And it's uh, yeah. we'll be here in 12 months' time doing exactly the same thing. What should fans do? Uh, but I, I think uh, certainly at Maidenhead's level, I don't know why Maidenhead or the, the local association can't provide a professional referee to go round these grounds at 12 o'clock. Uh, well, see Neil Maiden and sort of say, look, save the match official coming from wherever they're coming. I'll go around, have a look at the pitch. In, in my opinion, I'm the neutral. I can determine whether that ground is Unless, again, possibly at Maidenhead, it's probably the goal mass worse than the rest of the pitch, uh, like it is in all pitches. And, and get some people 
neutral people around to these grounds are earlier to call off. I, I don't know how feasible it is. Obviously, somebody will still have to pay for that official to go around and test the ground. Yeah. But why can you have to wait for a 7.45 kickoff until 5, 6 o'clock for the official to turn up? I do not know. Because uh, uh, certainly with frosty grounds uh, and standing water, uh, certainly on non-league pitches isn't going anywhere uh, <laughs> after about 5 o'clock. It's just standing water. So that's not going to change. So... Yeah, I, I, I don't know whether nationally there could be sort of like a, a, a group of referees going to, to test these non-league grounds. I don't know how, obviously it's just a, a sort of a, a, an idea of mine of why there can't be people testing the grounds a lot earlier to give the fans that warning and to give the club, to save to save Neil's maiden of travelling somewhere or getting halfway down. Or, was it Ascot? Was it Ascot who... Got halfway down in one of the FA Cups earlier this season. Uh, last last was, season in the Vars, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how quick the season's going. Um, <laughs> yeah, halfway, halfway, halfway there, and then it's cooled off. Well, that's a lot of needless expense uh, gone down a pound there that Ascot would have to cover. Uh, yeah. And if there, if there was a sort of a, a club in a different position, that costs a lot, a lot of money. Uh, so I don't know what Neil's opinion on having some sort of officials in yeah. sort of areas to pop round to these higher grounds and whatever. I don't know. You'll be pleased to know, Neil, that that kind of does happen. Um, oh. So yeah, so the the, the National League, um, especially around this time of year, they like to send a little reminder around. Um, they're very proactive. They will expect clubs to look at where the opposition are travelling from, obviously the conditions at the time and, and the forecast. And if it's looking dodgy, they expect clubs to um, approach. They, they send out a, a list of uh, referees sort of qualified to the correct level um, that uh, they expect clubs to, to make that phone call, keep the league um, obviously posted to keep the, the opposition posted so for national league games that will happen um or the the, the league will expect the clubs to be proactive in that way and, and support them we've had games um at york road whereby and away from home as well um where they've actually allowed us to call it off on sunday we've had um an official come in have a look at it look at the conditions look at what's forecast and they've been very proactive with it, so they've been good. The, the system that you suggest of 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 sort of ad hoc um, inspections isn't quite um, what happens, but it's down to the club to to use their kind of knowledge of their own pitch and uh, and, and and look to, to what's coming. Um, but that does happen certainly at step one, and I'm sure at step two uh, as well. As I've got quite a good um, kind of. Um, alternative story about uh, pitch inspections actually i'm not going to name the club suffice to say it was a uh, a uh, former efl club with with big expectations we were playing on a <laughs> on a saturday and their people were quite rightly and quite reasonably ringing and saying that we've had games called off very late notice before we want to look after our supporters yeah absolutely so i was up <laughs> very early with the groundsmen and uh, other staff at the ground um, and we got the aforementioned um, uh, panel referee in to have a look at it, and uh, there was four of us on the pitch, head scratching, and we decided, yeah, look, with a bit of work, we can get this game on. Great stuff. Um, so I was delighted. Saves an awful lot of work. Uh, get in touch with our opponents, and the game went ahead, and we had a great game of football. Again, I'm not going to name names. The first um, tweet that I looked up was I sat with a cup of tea after a freezing cold morning, 
was from an opposition supporter saying, oh, Maidenhead only want the game on to bring us down to their level. Just uh, <laughs> away from the phone, I think, was my, uh, was my thought on that. So, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, no one likes to see a game of football on, uh, is the bottom line, I think. Well, that's uh, that's. Uh, we, I think we've gone across it there. Um, I, we haven't necessarily mentioned the postponement of kids matches, Neil uh, Graham. But I think we'll. Uh, I think we'll. I think we'll just uh, leave that one. That that feels like a minefield that perhaps yeah. we should uh, we should uh, just carefully brush under the carpet. Um, I wanted to just bring us across to um, Maidenhead United women who are having, uh, I think, a, a tremendous season. Um, they appear to be under uh, on an upward trajectory. Ed, uh, who's, who's gone in there, has been there, what, must be must be just over a year now, Neil Maskell. Yeah, yeah um, 18 months. He he's done it. He's done a fantastic job, and he's he's got you know he's got some some quality quality players from higher up coming in. The the, the Reading FC links are are paying dividends. They've got that Freya Meadows Tucson in Izzy Stockton. I know there was one more you mentioned as well. Um, so so what, what 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 is the future of that team? And and obviously bearing in mind we've got the the Braywick Sports Hub thing that the, the team train in reading and and, mm. and all of that kind of thing it's not it, it's a bit fractured in that in that sense but it doesn't seem to be affecting them on the field no it's not affecting them on the field the third reading uh, link is natasha uh, rasmussen who has uh, come across to us as well freya meadows tucson is on uh, dual registration so she can play for reading in the um, barks and bucks cup um so that's uh that's that's good for her. As many games as possible for a teenage player. Um, she made her debut um, a couple of weeks ago, ago against, albeit the, the the basement side in the league, who are struggling to recruit players. Celsi uh, on the south coast, um, having a real battle in uh, recruitment, and we wish them well. She it was in all honesty too easy for her on that day. Bigger challenges will come. We still got to play Bournemouth and Exeter, who are the the runaway leaders, um, so those those will be good uh, for her. It's doing a great job. Uh, they're scoring lots of goals. The games are very entertaining, too entertaining sometimes. The FA Cup run, um, I think, aged me. We were behind <laughs> in every game and um, against lower opposition and, and, and crept over the line. Um, they're playing some good stuff. It's good to watch. Uh, they get the ball down and play. They're not going to win the league. Um, the, the, the ambition is to finish in the middle. Um, but we've got a, a cup quarterfinal to look forward to on the 28th of January um, when we play Cambridge United in the FA Women's National League plate. So it's the furthest the team have gone in, in that competition. So it's going well. His recruitment has been great. He's linked with Reading. He works in the community there. Uh, we've been able to develop a relationship with Reading, which is obviously a great professional club um, that are operating in a different sphere to us. But Looking at the pyramid, we're the kind of next destination, I guess, at the moment. With um, I'm sure, there's some ambitious clubs we, we'll talk about um, it shortly. But um, you know, if you're a young player wanting to get games um, with professional football in your mind, come and play for us. You know, um, we've got players that have moved over to the states last summer as well. Um, so it's exciting, exciting to be around it at the moment. Really enjoying it. Uh, is, is anybody else following uh, Rob? You just stuck your hand out. I was going to say anybody else sort of following the the the, the situation with with Maidenhead's women's team. Um, Rob, what, you uh, you had something to add? Yeah, I was just going to say that I, I'm following it a little bit. I haven't been down to York Road to see uh, the women's team this season, so that's definitely on my to do list. But um, mm. but um, 
Yeah, uh, the next couple of games are sort of against teams or next couple of league games are against teams around you in that area. So a good opportunity to sort of really solidify in that middle section. Um, what's sort of the, uh, I guess, the long-term ambition? Because it looks like there's a sort of step up from last season. Last season, you were kind of more of a relegation sort of threatened side, looking over your shoulder maybe a little bit or sort of in that in that mix. And then now, hopefully, you're more of a sort of mid-table side. It, I mean... With the limitations on, like you say, um, sort of uh, not being fully professional and things like that, uh, what what is the ambition? How far can it go, do you think? This time last year, Ed's team had three points to their name. Mm, exactly. So it goes to show what he did. And they they, they, uh, they they clinched survival with a game to spare. Ed is a really ambitious coach. Um, he, he would think that... He said this season he wanted them to finish top half. He won't mind me. Uh, saying um, that he, he wanted them to finish in that top six. There's a chance. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a really strong league at the top end. You look at the, the scores of a weekend and and the sides at the top tend to give the sides at the bottom a, a bit of a whacking, frankly. Um, that's just the way it is. Um, so I think his ambition, if he wants to stay with us long term, I think he'd be looking at challenging to take us into step three, into tier three, the, the, the Women's National League um, Premier Obviously, from there above is a huge gap uh, up to the championship where I believe they'll be all full-time in the championship or, or mainly. I know Reading stayed oh, full-time. Uh, sorry, sorry, Neil. They have no. to have mandatory positions filled, so i.e. manager, physio, uh, media yeah. person, and the rest are then part-time. Yeah. So I think for the limitations of the club at the moment and the ongoing ground situation and you know, the revenue streams that that, limits um i think you know if, if ed wants to stay around with us and I, and I really hope he does i'm sure he'd look at his ambition would be would be tier three um whether we can go beyond that i don't know at this moment in time with our current setup but uh i think for a team that's been in that league for eight seasons um and they've struggled every year they've been in the bottom two or three um it's a nice position to be in for some of those longer serving players who've been through some tough times where they turned up with ten players and uh, you know that kind of thing. It certainly feels a lot more professional now with a development team attached to it as well. So it's exciting. It's good to see young footballers get a chance to express themselves. So um, yeah, um, medium term this division, longer term who knows? But I think there's a limit to where we can realistically. Yeah. Um. Thank, thanks, Neil. Thanks, Rob. Um, right. The big question, I think, uh, that has... So so I put out asking for some questions on the social media channels. We don't often get many questions, which is a shame. We would like to change that. Um, but the big question that we were asked is as follows. Can Binfield stay up? Um, I'm always tentative to talk about stuff like this because obviously most of us know people at Binfield. Um, it's not a... We're not a critical panel of people here um we're not here to to say right or wrong um the the managerial situation has changed um ross weatherstone is in he's brought in in some players they had a uh, they had a, a strong looking performance against Ascot united um unlucky to to miss out there um i know steve gab was at that game um and he he reported back that you know there there, there were reasons to be reasons to be confident i think however and i and i'll go around the panel and i and i'll i'll see what you guys think um however the the simple fact is my my sort of um 
they've got 60 points they can get from the final 20 games. They've got literally half a season's worth of games yet to play. They have games in hand over almost all of the teams in the division, I think, except Northwood, um, which, you know, in, in some some respects is a good thing. Uh, in other respects, it's good to have that on paper. Um, they currently have four points. Um, and I would, looking back at the last couple of seasons, they're probably going to need 10 wins to guarantee a third bottom finish, which would be enough to stay up. Um, for, from a team that, that's got four points all season, that that is really, really tough. And changing that mindset is going to be one hell of a of a U-turn. I mean, obviously bringing in players is is ideal. Um, I know, I, I believe there are more on the way. Um, so uh, I'll start with uh, Dan Walkley. Um what do you do you think have you seen a turnaround like that before i feel like i have i can't name one off the top of my head <laughs> i mean i think we alluded to it a week or so ago it's going to have to be playoff form they're going to have to really hit the ground running and and soon um personally i think the damage may already be done unfortunately um i would love them to stay up um and the two games against Corinthian casuals and guernsey are going to be huge albeit the Guernsey one is away from home um, and Guernsey seem to be picking up points at home as you'd expect. Um, so I think it's going to be tough for them to stay up. Um, the Ascot game is going to give them a whole load of confidence for sure. Um, I think though they were disappointed not to at least get a point from that and if they can show signs of of that performance against teams in and around them, um, obviously Ascot are mid mid table at the moment on high mid table so i mean there is a chance but 10 wins i think is going to be a big ask in that league there's some very very good teams um i mean the top end Chelsea down probably to marlow in the playoff positions are very very good but even the mid table teams um and the teams that come up from step five last year bad shot lee reigns park they've strengthened and 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 they're only going to strengthen so it is a very very tough ask um but hopefully they can do it. Um, Rob? Uh, yeah, I'd probably have similar um, a similar thoughts to Dan, I think. Like you say, they're, they're currently on four points. Uh, Guernsey, who are out of the uh, relegation zone, are on 17. So they've got to make 13 points up, and they've got, um, obviously, any, any other points that uh, Guernsey get, they've got to get them as well. So, I mean, they need a bare minimum, probably, of 30 points, as you say, from the remaining 20 games. Um, I think the next game is very key for them. Um, they're away at Metropolitan Police, who are sort of a, a, mm. a bottom half, sort of, you know, they're 16th, I think, currently out of yes. the 21 teams in the league. Um, they're a kind of team that they, they really need to start uh, taking points off because after that, they've got two or three um, playoff contenders in a row, I think, Southall, Westfield. Um, Hartley Whitney, yeah, uh, three games on the bounce that look really tough, to be honest. So, um, if they're still on four points at the end of end of January, there, I think you know, it's it's going to be looking tough. And uh, there are reasons to be upbeat, I guess, you know, in terms of the performance against Ascot, but uh, they still haven't backed that up with a win. So they need to get that first win under their belt yeah. very soon and uh, to turn this around again. I, I really hope they do stay up. I, you know, I like. Binfields, I you know enjoy going down there. We've had a lot of friends at the club for 
the past few seasons and it's been uh, great going there so but it's going to take a big turnaround they're going to need like you say playoff form sort of mid-table form and they're going to have to start taking uh wins at the teams in the bottom half and uh the odd point here and there are the teams in the sort of playoff contention so i guess it has to start this weekend really um hope you know slim chance but uh yeah hope hopefully the damage hasn't been done but uh i fear it might have been um neil graham anything to add yeah uh now you're probably aware i sort of watching a lot of step four football in the recent years i knew tough this level was it's the first real level for me that just changes uh from having uh, 11 good players to having the bench just as good and everyone fighting for their position uh, and I watched Binfield early in the season and and sadly from all the games that I watched I tipped them to go down and they were my tip to be relegated which I don't want to happen uh, and with Dan I think it's possibly a little bit too late but I think Roscoe is possibly the man if anybody can bring in those players to Sort of bolster, bolster the actual club, bolster the behind the scenes, whatever, or just bring that extra bit of motivation to to the club. I think he's the man. So uh, that's yeah, I'm with everybody. I don't want them to go down. It's always easier to stay in that last relegation <laughs> or getting relegated than trying to come back up from the division below. So uh, even if they can stay that one place out of relegation, I'll be absolutely over the moon for Binfield. Mm. Uh, but uh, then going forward, obviously building on say say step four. Uh, I, I think the difference between step three and step four is huge. Uh, and Binfield have their backs against the wall, which then again may rally the troops. I don't know, but I'm sure if anybody can bring in players from Hartley Whitney from his contact, Roscoe can do it uh, and strengthen the team. And hopefully, as everyone's been saying, put a run together to at least give them a fighting chance, as opposed to letting the the league or the actual Relegation battle just fizzle out onto, I'll tell you what, going down. So let's not bother turning up for the rest of the season. Um, Neil Maskell, I'll, I'll, I'll just bring you in on this as as well. Um, obviously, it goes, it, I had forgotten, of course, that um, there is, uh, as, as again, second mention on the podcast, Steve Gabb would call it the AGM Cup at the end <laughs> of the season where, um, you know, the teams that finish second, it, it's not all lost if they if they don't quite make it out. But a, but a, but but playoff form between now and the end of the season is, is, is basically crucial. Um, uh, we've already had uh, Mask United. I can't I forget how to pronounce it. When they Mask. came down to play Bracknell a few years ago, I did. Uh, I did get the pronunciation um, uh, lesson on on how to pronounce that. But they have obviously they've obviously departed their northern step four division. Um, so so there is that that comes into play. But you can't you can't relax and 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 hope that that's going to come into play, can you, Neil? No, that's right. Football in Northumberland will be fuming about your uh, <laughs> No, that's right. Um, and you look at you talk about playoff form. You said ten wins, Tom, and that's that's winning every other game, isn't it? They've got twenty games left. Yeah. Um, just just to follow up on on what Neil said. I mean, look, I, I love watching Step Five football, but Step Four, um, yeah, it, it, there's a bit more. Is there a bit more prestige playing in in the Isthmian League or the history of that league? You know, you get to go in the FA Trophy and, you know, the chance to, to have a run in that competition. I, I really, really hope they do it. Um, I've been in contact with Ross um, uh, for a couple of reasons over the summer and um, in recent times I spoke to him about uh, uh, his hopes and sort of aspirations. And, and again, as Neil Graham said, good links in the game, isn't he? He's played pro. 
um, his brothers um, involved at uh, at Newcastle. Not sure they can bring Newcastle players in, but just goes to show he's got he's got contacts. And while there's hope, there's uh, there's a chance, isn't there? So yeah, good luck to them. Thanks, thanks, Neil. So I, th- I think the over the overriding opinion is we really, really hope so. Um, it's, it's worth mentioning as well. I've been writing for quite a long time a piece on uh, the last time each Berkshire men's side was relegated, and um, it is Binfield uh, as far as I can. There appears to be no history uh, of, of Ascot's uh, time um, prior to their their spell in the Thames Valley Premier League Premier Division, so it's very hard to tell. But I think Binfield is over thirty years since they really? suffered. A relegation, nineteen eighty. It's between eighty four and eighty six, I think. Um, it's not quite uh, written down, but but the last time that, that the moles were were relegated, so it's quite a quite a thing. Um, we're going to need to just dash through. Uh, time has gotten on. We we've talked a lot. Um, I wanted to mention the uh, FA Interleague Cup which is a Step 7 competition. The Thames Valley Premier League are in action. They are playing Dorset on Saturday the 20th of January. I think it's January or is it February? I've I've mislaid that piece of crucial information. Um, it is... Uh, no, it, in fact, it looks like it is, in fact, yes, yeah, Saturday the 20th of January, 3pm at Windsor and Eton. Um, they are playing Dorset. Um, typically, over the last few seasons, when I've followed this competition, uh, we haven't got very far. Um, but but it's uh, it's made up of it's like a representative team of players from across the Thames Valley Premier League. Um, it was very Reading YMCA heavy a few years ago. I don't think that's quite the case anymore. And there are some good Windsor players which may well be part of the squad. I will look out and see what the uh, see what that squad list looks like. Has anybody seen an FA Interleague Cup game? I'm imagining everybody's going to shake their heads. Okay. Um, very quickly, just to mention as well, before we move on to the last couple of bits, um, Ascot United, United Ladies are very much in a title race in the Southern Region Women's Premier Division against Bournemouth Sports. Bournemouth Sports took advantage of Ascot not uh, Ascot playing in the League Cup at the weekend and are top by a point. I think that one's probably going down to the wire. Um, but Ascot United Ladies are in a very, very strong position. Um, anybody seen them recently? They're a good side. I saw them in pre-season. They beat uh, Maidenhead in pre-season. Um, good side. Some good players. Good young side. Um, haven't seen them recently, but I'm not surprised to see them do well. Uh, and and not quite such a title race in the Thames Valley League Um uh, division One, which is the top division, um, Slowtown Ladies. Uh, I think they're about. Last time I checked, they're about five points clear. Um, they've got Hannah Summers, who scored a hat trick at the weekend. She is the top scorer in the division. Um, they are they are flying in there, and I would expect them to be a, a Southern League club next season, presuming uh, you know everybody goes up and, and you know there can't possibly be ground grading issues with with Arbor Park playing in the Southern Region Division. So um, hopefully we will see those go up. Um, Dan, you mentioned Step 6 applications. This is slightly older news, but um, just to say anybody wasn't across it, um, in Berkshire, Windsor and Eton have uh, applied to go up, and as have Kintbury Rangers, although they play in Wiltshire. Um, Dan, are you familiar with Kintbury? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, being this side of Berkshire, there was quite a few from Newbury's unbeaten side that went over with Danny Langford um, at the end of last season. Um, and yeah, they're running away with that Wiltshire League at the moment. They're, they've proved to be a really good side, and especially a good side or a tough side to be at home. So, barring any ground grading issues, I can't see why they wouldn't be going up to step six next season. Obviously, not sure where they play. I'd assume Hellenic. Um, 
over that way. But yeah, um, I think the job Danny's done there since coming in at the beginning of the season has been great. Um, he's brought in some very good players he's played with. Um, and it's generally a nice club. It's, they've got a lovely pitch. I know I played there a few times. Um, yeah, and best of luck to them. Um, they, they clearly deserve their time to go up, um, both on and off the field. So, I, yeah, I can't see any reason as to why why they wouldn't. Um, Rob, are you, fam- you, you, I think you will be familiar with the um, requirements to to go up for Windsor. I mean, th- there's no issue with the ground, and I think, if I recall, um, the ground they don't get the years grace teams at Step Seven, do they? That, that teams higher up do to get their ground in order. You have to have it in a in situation where you can you can go up and the, and the grading is correct. What what's the do, do, do you know the the specifics, Rob? Um, not so much of the individual uh, ground grading. I know um, Dan might be able to help here or one of the others, but I know you have to have floodlights, a certain number of seats and a certain amount of covered uh, areas as well around the ground. Um, but uh, in terms of league performance, you have to be uh, in the top five of your division and um, the highest ranked of any successful applicant uh uh, in that division. So for, in Windsor and Eaton's case, there's only one applicant from the Thames Valley Premier. So should they finish the top five, they'll be fine. But if there was another one and say, for example, I don't know, Finchamp said wanted to go up and they passed the ground grading um, and they finished third and Windsor finished top, then Finchamp said wouldn't be able to go up despite passing the ground grading because, um, because yeah, Windsor outranked them. Only one team from each division can go up each season. So I don't know, Dan, you might be able to help me with the ground grading a little bit. Um, I don't know 100% what the specifics are, but you're right. It's covered um, areas, seating. Um, I don't think it's much seating, but there has to be undercover. Um, and I believe you need a turnstile as well or yeah. some kind of gate to um, to kind of separate that from. Yeah, I think it has to be closed, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. for sure. And then uh, there's something with the changing rooms as well. A certain amount of space in the changing rooms too. Yeah. Um, okay, we we'll move on to thanks, guys, for that. Uh, we'll move on to the last part, which uh, I have. Um, do you know what? I'm gonna. There's a little note on the bottom of the the, uh, the show at the moment, which I'm just going to change, uh, and it is simply the last part. And we'll just we'll do a we'll do a little panel discussion on this. Um, it is simply the worst conditions you have played <laughs> football in. Um, and I, I had to rack my brains for this a little bit, but I do remember there was a Bracknell Sunday League game that we played at Wild Ridings pitches, those enormous pitches. Um, at Wild Ridings, and there was quite literally uh, the uh, sort of around the halfway mark of the pitch, covering probably probably a third of the halfway line, uh, and and not a, not a it, you know, it wasn't a case of you could jump over it, but th- there was there was quite literally a lake, and um, the match referee everybody wanted to play. The match referee deemed that it was uh, suitable to play, and we played. And um, and and it was a rare win for my team because we were the only ones that actually just got on with running through the puddle. The other team kept sort of skipping round it, so they lost a whole part of the pitch to play in. Whereas we would just we would we would just run through it. And I remember my entire face was covered in mud by the end of uh, as I was patrolling the midfield. And um, Neil Graham, um, yeah, well, in, in terms of conditions. My- they're my pitches now, so <laughs> still got water wings for those now. Uh, actually, earlier this season, uh, uh, literally, well, you could put your foot and you would be submerged in water, and we still played. Uh, but uh, yeah, we won the toss and went down the dry end first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, basically, it, it is. I, I think uh, 
as we alluded to earlier, Dan, where, where, where sort of pitch conditions and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, as a chairman, actually think about next weekend's game and how how uh, the pitch will be left yeah. at the end of the game for postponements. But uh, I, I think this season was probably about the worst game. It was freezing cold. It was soaking wet. And there, there was standing water because it wasn't there until you stood on it. Then there was standing water. <laughs> uh, but the players come off in a right mess. Uh, the, the car, as you can imagine, was just covered. <laughs> Everything was dirty. Anything that that pit touched uh, was just covered in, in covered in mud. And uh, the, the guys who were doing sliding tackles, as you can imagine, from the ankle all the way up to their sort of right oh, or left hand side, depending on what it was, was just a, a, a sea of mud. And they've sort of left a skid mark across the actual pitch. Uh, so it's still, it's still the same, Tom. It hasn't changed. <laughs> good, good. Um, Dan, I know you are prone to, to getting your boots on. Um, you must have yeah. a, a, a worst or a favourite. Yeah, we played a county cup game. I won't say the county on this podcast because we all know what one it is. Um, <laughs> but we were down in Southampton. And the well, same. that gives it away. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to Google, Google the county that South <laughs> It was cold and it was wet. The, the rain was coming sideways because of the wind. Um, like Neil said, the middle of the pitch was, yeah, like a lake. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I loved playing in that, those conditions as a, as a centre half. So it was great. Um, I'm sure you won't mind me saying my mate scored probably one of the best wind assisted goals you'll ever see. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, nice volley that the wind took straight into the top corner. But yeah, it just made the showers after so much better. Like coming off that pitch <laughs> where you can't feel your feet, you can't feel your fingers, just soaked through to the bone. But yeah, all good fun. And we won as well. So that's that's the main thing. Excellent. I, I assume your mate forgets to mention it was wind assisted. He, he does. He, he, he doesn't score much, bless him. So uh, he, he can even tell everything you can get. <laughs> I, I, I think there's like a barometer to uh, pitches, and that's just the weather as well. You know, when you arrive at, at the ground, you open your car door and it gets thrust out of your hand. There's a wind. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that weather. <laughs> um, Neil and Rob, I, I must admit, to not being across your playing career. So, um, I, you haven't, I, you haven't read my autobiography then, no? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Sadly, I didn't get it for Christmas, mate. But, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll sort of finish with you two. Um, and, and, and so, so playing or watching, I'll, I'll let you have a uh, have a choice of either. Um, Neil, if you want to go first, I'll let Rob I'll go finish. first. Yeah, there's a good reason why you've not read about my playing career, Tom. Um, sheer lack of ability. I can remember a school game. Me. That's how far <laughs> I'm going back. Um, being roped into playing in goal in a school match. We lost 8-2. And uh, I patrolled a, a puddle at each end. There were no uh, <laughs> referees or pitch inspections rather um, happening before those games. Soaking wet through, let eight goals pass myself. I think I should have retired then, to be honest with you. In my adult life, um, well, the odd one or two games I've played in the freezing cold. Um, I think I'm far better with a, a big coat on than watching from the sidelines, personally. <laughs> Rob, <clears throat> round us off. Yeah, I remember playing in a game in um I I similar to Deal. I haven't yeah, haven't had exactly a stellar playing career, but uh yeah, and uh, the lack of talent rings true for me as well. But um I remember playing a, a mate of mine wrote me into a game uh, when I was living in New Zealand and he said, "Oh yeah, come along." And I was like looking at the weather as it was c- uh, coming in. It's a winter game over there and 
it was right next to this big lake in Taupo and the wind was whistling off it and the rain was coming in sideways. It was so cold. And I got to the pitch and it was also being used for the rugby team like all the way through the year. So there was just like, there's the whole way through the middle of the pitch was just mud and, you know, from like successive scrums basically that had churned up the pitch. Um, and then, yeah, it, you completely covered in mud the whole way through. And I remember getting into the changing rooms afterwards and I had a, a like toiletry bag with me to like, all my shower stuff. And I couldn't grab the zip on the toiletry bag because my f- hands were so cold. <laughs> I couldn't actually hold the zip to pull it open. So I was just, uh, yeah. It, it wasn't a fun time. I'm not sure I went. Uh, uh, I, he, he asked me a few times to help him out again, but I don't know how many more times I did after that one. That was uh, pretty cold. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, guys. Um, it's been a really great pleasure to see you all again. Um, it's good to have the podcast back. Um, and uh, with a bit of luck, we will be back next week. Um, the plan is to do a few more interviews. I know I feel like I say that a lot, um, that we're going to do some interviews. I know Dan's got one lined up um, and a few others. Um, I've got a list as long as my arm of people I need to talk to and I've promised to talk to over the years. So we will hopefully get round to those. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Neil Graham, thank you. Thank you. Neil Maskell, thank you. I've got to make an effort to not have two Neils on the same podcast going forward. Um, although it, Neil. Special kind of guys. <laughs> it's been it has been great having you both. Neil, I think this is Neil McGraham, I think this is your first podcast, is it not? Uh no, I think it's probably my second or third, but certainly okay. the first one this season, just because uh, uh as you know, yeah, just been here, there, and everywhere. So uh it's been difficult to fit in. Uh Rob Davis, thank you. Oh, thank you mute. very much. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I went on to mute. <laughs> and uh, Dan Walkley, thank you very much, mate. You, um, yeah. it's, been, it's been great to have you all. Don't forget, you can get all the latest news on footballinbarkshire.co.uk and head to Facebook, Twitter, threads, all of those kinds of things, WhatsApp channels as well. So um, we will speak to you next week. Cheers. <laughs>